What's going on, everybody? Peter Toring here. Chris Van Bell. This is the Homes Real Estate Podcast, where we uh, go in-depth on some some deep real estate issues. We've got another edition of Ask the Experts here. James Lutz from uh, Capital Mortgage Funding is back with us today. Thanks Good for being with us. And so what we're talking about today is... Let's talk about the tough questions. Let's talk well, about the the uh, the mortgage industry and the the real estate world can have a lot of challenges. There can be a lot of things that can go wrong, uh, and and of course we understand life happens. But those life events, bankruptcies, short sales, foreclosures, divorces, things like that, they do really affect uh, your the eligibility for your mortgage. And we wanted to just go into a couple of those issues and see how these things affect your your eligibility for mortgage, what you can do about it, uh, and, and just kind of go through some of these issues. So uh, let's talk about um, the first one, which I think is, is the, the most common one, which is credit issues. We've got people that have, uh, you know, they've either destroyed their credit through credit cards or they just don't have any credit. Let's talk a little bit about that and how what we can do to avoid that and what we can do to fix it. Okay. Yep. Since this episode is all about the issues and this one's credit here, the biggest issues that I have found are... And this all leads up to bankruptcy, mm-hmm. which is the big credit issue, um, is just not paying your bills on time, right. being mismanaging your financial stuff. I mean, you just miss payments. Um, you, you are maxing out your credit cards. Some of them, I see credit cards that are maxed over their actual limit. Now, I understand yes. that life does happen. Everyone's got a reason for doing things the way that they do. But, you know, I care and I understand, but I don't fund you the money. The banks... They just look at, you know, your credit report. Right, and they're trying to protect their investment, yeah. of course. And, of course, we, we talked about in our, our, our earlier one, uh, first-time buyers who don't have a lot of credit. And if, you, if you're interested in learning more about that, go check that podcast out. That'll tell you uh, some ways that you can build some credit pretty quickly here. So uh, we're not going to talk about that too much. Um, but ba- oh, Back to bankruptcy, then. Yeah. Because yeah, bankruptcy is a huge... Well, with bankruptcy, can you just lump bankruptcy foreclosure... And nope, they whatever it's, one together, or are nope. they all kind of separate? They're, they're separate in our eyes because there's different time frames, different waiting periods for each of them. For example, I usually ask people if I see on their credit report if they've talked to me beforehand and mention that they've had a bankruptcy. You find out when the bankruptcy was. We're looking for a minimum of two years from the discharge date in order to be eligible for any of the loan products, and this one being FHA with the shortest waiting period. And then my next question is always, was there a home in that bankruptcy? And a lot of times there are, a lot of times there aren't. Uh, but if there's a home in the bankruptcy, that usually means it foreclosed later on, after the bankruptcy closed. So, and that's the date we want to look for. So do you get hit? Wait. Do you get hit twice here? Do you get hit for your bankruptcy, and then do you also get hit for your foreclosure? Does it get, you know, do they kind all of do concurrent things, sentences? Yeah, or? they all have an impact on it. Um, even a lot of folks that have gone through a divorce. And that that has an impact on your credit, right? Um, and what they look for, and when I mean they, and that's lenders, banks, they look for what you've done since. They want to see that not only did you have a bankruptcy three, four years ago, what have you done since that bankruptcy to rebuild positive credit and establish right. a good position? So we know that these these are all obviously some pretty pretty nasty issues. How do we separate these? Let you know what is the the difference in, in eligibility for mortgage between a bankruptcy uh, or if you had a short sale or a deed in lieu of foreclosure or a foreclosure, how do these, you know, what's different about each of them and how do they affect your, your mortgage separately? So really there are, there's no set number for if you have a bankruptcy, you're going to lose 100 points or if you have a foreclosure, you're gonna lose, there's no X minus. It takes a 
you know, a nice chunk out of your, you know, score. It's not, I'm not gonna lie about it, but uh, the biggest difference is just the waiting periods. Okay, and what are, what are those? Eligible again. What are the, so what's the, the waiting period for bankruptcy? Two years okay. is your minimum, and that's for FHA, and then you're looking at four years for conventional. Okay. What about short sales? Short sales, you're looking at two years for FHA, four years, I believe, for conventional, and then your full-blown foreclosure is gonna be three years for FHA, and seven years for conventional. And another thing wow. that you want to be very, very, very careful of, because I've had this happen in the past, is someone says, hey, you know, I foreclosed in March of 2010, because that's when they left the house. That's right. not when they got foreclosed on. Right. When they got foreclosed on is when the sheriff's sale happens. And that is the date that we look for. I've had in some cases that the person, the bank took the house back They in, let's say, 2010. They didn't actually sell it back until 2012. So that person's timeline doesn't it's start whacked. until 2012. Exactly, it's okay. way out of proportion. And what about too, if you got, you know, a deed in lieu of foreclosure? If you just said, hey, we're gonna, you know, we'll give you the house back, and and you know, not and you skip that foreclosure process, does that change anything? No, right now you're okay. still looking at three years unless you have an extenuating circumstance. Okay, so that's gonna be similar to foreclosure. Yeah. Um, and in these issues, is there anything that buyers can do to kind of not speed up necessarily this timeline, but speed up the uh, or, or improve the way this bank is looking at them. Really the best thing that you can do because you can't take it back You've already done your bankruptcy or your foreclosure. Right. Best thing you can do is build positive credit Okay quickly the quicker you start building positive credit post bankruptcy or foreclosure The better you're gonna be when that two three four seven year mark whatever you're aiming for comes around That's what we're gonna be looking hard at. So, so we're, gonna, we're gonna look at you know getting the credit cards again auto loans. Yeah, and things like everything. That. It's like you're starting over, basically. We want to see that you've right. had more new accounts, and because they're pretty much wrapping all your old accounts into your bankruptcy usually. So you want to see that you've opened new credit lines, taken out new loans, kept them in good standing, not missed payments. All the same normal stuff that you're going to get. I think one of the biggest things that we want to talk about too here is, as your realtor or as your lender, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to judge your financial financial situation, your personal Absolutely. situation. So I, I think that one of the most important things here is be honest with us. Tell us, hey, this is what actually happened. If there were extenuating circumstances, you know, tell us, hey, this is what happened. Maybe there, you know, I know it's unlikely, but there might be something you'd be able to work with. Uh, and we want to make sure that we don't want to be in the middle of doing something and find out that you've had yeah, a bankruptcy. Yeah, because I, I can tell you from the lending side, and I always kind of put it like this to the everyday people, is your loan officer and their little small team up front, they are basically your lawyer, your law team. Yep. The judge is the underwriter. Right. So you have to tell your law team everything because guess what? We're going to find it out regardless if you tell us or not. Yep. Either we're going to find it out too late and it's going to cause issues. I, I just tell, I tell everyone, just be honest with me. Tell me everything that's going on. I, me and my team can pick and choose what the underwriter knows. Right. We need to know this stuff because we are well, the, we're the bad, you. We're the bad guy. Oh, I don't get the loan because they didn't tell us something. Right. Exactly. And, and this <laughs> is something we use this all the time, this illustration of, of being an attorney. And I, I always say that is uh, one of the, it's the continuing ed classes I sat in, the, the instructor made this analogy. They said, your, your attorney represents you in legal matters. Your realtor represents you in real estate matters. We have the same, I always tell people, we've got the same fiduciary interest, we've got the same, you know, we've got confidentiality, we're not going to disclose things that you tell, you know, we're not gonna go run and tell your mother that you had a, a bankruptcy if she doesn't know. Uh, you know, these things are kept confidential and, and I think that uh, sometimes it gets lost in the, the lack of professionalism as a whole that we have in our industry. 
uh, on both the lending and the real, you know, the real estate sides. I think some of that can get lost. Yeah, I was just going to ask because I know from the lending side, there are there's a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth from other lenders, other loan officers, other people that maybe put a bad light on the good guys. You know, like myself, like you guys. Right. Did you get you get a little bit of that on your side in the real estate? We get too? we get it all the time. Yeah. We are we're looked at like right with like used car salesmen yeah. and, oh, and yeah. like congressmen. I think. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the hardest thing to, to let people know is we're not salespeople. We're not trying to sell you right. anything. Yeah. So I think that's important to look at, especially when we're talking about these. These are these are deep personal issues. These are. Uh, you know things that can cause a lot of stress in people's lives, and and just know that we're kind of in it with you, and we're going to do is everything we can to to help you out. Um, let's talk about what if you're on fixed income? What if you're retired? What if you've got a pension? You've got uh, SSI? You've got um, uh, or or what if you are uh, retired and you're drawing some of your income from an annuity or from investments or things like that? How do those folks? Those are, that's generally income? pretty easy. I mean, if it's Social Security, for example. Mm-hmm. We're going to get the awards letters, and as long as we can prove that it's going to continue for at least three years, which in most cases it always does, unless it's a special scenario where there's a passing in the family and someone's getting it, and right, or it's just like child support and alimony. If you can prove that you're going to get it for three years, all we do is take the amount for Social Security on your awards letter, uh, pre-tax, and we can use all of that towards your income, a pension, same thing. Show us your pension statements, and if we can prove that you're going to continue to receive it for three years, it's a pretty cut and dry number. Okay. Now, when we're talking about you know retirement, Social Security, and all that stuff, well, age, age in our mind might be a factor, but you can buy a house at any age. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. My, my record is a 92-year-old veteran woman, and she did a 30-year VA loan. That's beautiful. That's it awesome. Was, it was one of the coolest ones ever, yeah. Um, and, and so, see, this is something that I didn't, I guess, for whatever reason, I didn't realize that child support and alimony payments could be used towards your towards your income. Yeah, it's also a debt, too, if you're on the other end. Right. Uh, so, that's right. Also, so that's something to look at, too. Yeah. If you guys, if you're, if you're divorced or you're getting divorced, um, remember that this is this goes into your debt-to-income ratio. Yeah, if you've got child support payments or alimony payments. a similar case earlier where a woman was receiving four lines of Social Security for herself and her kids because of her spouse passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because the ages of the kids, one of the three lines for the kids expired. So we couldn't prove that it still had three years because right. of their age. And that happened right before she was about to write an offer, which luckily we were on it. We caught it and we told her, look, you, you this is going to run out before we can close. We can no longer use this when you're out shopping for your home. So we had to cut your approval back just a little bit. Right. But it's a good thing that we were on it, paying attention. We knew the ages of the kids. We knew when they were going to expire. Otherwise, that could have gone bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's And that's why it's it's important to have a lender that's up on, on things. Yes, which I think can bring uh, us into another topic. Is yeah. Having a lender and an agent that are involved mm-hmm. and that take the time to learn your story about where you've came from, what you want to accomplish. Big time. Big time. Yeah, and I think that we'll, we'll we'll go into that a little bit deeper too in, in a different one uh, involving some specific loan products here. One of the reasons I want to talk about that is we're seeing an influx of these online mortgage approval programs <laughs> or these these mortgage mills, I like to call them, that are these large lenders that you can just call them up. I can tell them I make a million dollars and I'm going to get a wonderful pre-approval in 15 minutes. Tell us a little bit about kind of the danger. I can go online. I got pre-approved in two yeah. minutes. Yeah. Exactly. No, those always, not always, but they generally will go south because when you're getting a mortgage, if you've gone through one or if you've heard stories, they're very in-depth. They are very involved. It is not a quick five-minute application and get your approval. 
There are so many questions and things that can happen that are not even on the exact application or what these people are asking you on the phone. Hey, where do you live? Where do you work? What's your credit score? They don't even pull your credit. They just trust that they're going to go off of what you looked at Credit Karma last week when that could be close. It could be 100 points off. Right. I've had it happen where especially young first-time awesome. home buyers sit in front of me with a specific pre-approval from a specific company that's known for doing online quick, mm -hmm. quick uh, approvals. Um, and then I sit down, yeah, the outer <laughs> space company, I, I sit down with them and I actually go over their financials. I actually pull their credit and I have to tell them, look, I'm sorry, that pre-approval letter in your hand is no good. You I, know, like here's why. Toilet paper. Let me, yeah. let me use, there's a, I don't know if you remember this, James, but James did a loan for me, uh, I think two years ago where a client had had a pre-approval from uh, a different lender that they call up and, and you went through and redid their, their mortgage. They were $150,000 less. Yep. Pre-approval, I do, <laughs> and it happens it, all. It the changed time. the game all the time. But you know? still, when you're doing things verbally, hey, I got an 800 credit score and I make a million dollars a year, I have no debt. I mean, yep. Really? Okay. Yeah. There is a saying, and I'll even tell the general public, is buyers are liars. And it's not always because you're purposely trying to lie to your lender. It's because you don't even know. Yeah. I, until I got into the lending game, there's so many things that normal everyday people do not take into account. They don't think about, or they just truly don't know. Yeah. That's why we dive in deeper. Because and I, I, I think the stuff. biggest key to this is you are looking at the largest investment of your life. For sure. You're looking at spending more than you will on anything else. And is it worth saying, well, I want the quickest, easiest pre-approval I can get, or sometimes what's the cheapest, or uh, you know, is you know, is is qualifying for the right home, making sure your mortgage transaction goes smoothly on the biggest purchase of your life? Is it worth taking more than five minutes online? I, I guess it's you know? better, better, better to ask. Would you rather talk to a phone jockey and then get all the way through the process and get denied for this home of your dreams? Yeah, or sit crazy. down and either talk face to face in most cases, which most of our lenders love to do to get to know you, yep. and then close on this home that you had your heart yeah. set on. That's that's, that's the key. That, yep. It just and blows my another mind. Another one going along, tagging along right with this, another pet peeve of mine is companies that when asked, you know, uh, what are your costs? A lot of lenders will say, oh, our costs are this. They don't, they fail to tell the buyer everybody else's cost that's involved. So now this buyer is going out there thinking, oh man, like I only need a couple of grand because I mean, that's what he told me that my, their cost was. Yeah. They don't understand that there's title <laughs> fees, costs. tax, exactly. I know what they're saying and I could easily be truthful and give you my cost because that's all you asked for. But I don't, right. I, I know that they need to know the whole picture. You guys know title companies are going to have fees. Uh, taxes and insurance yep. are due. Like, there's a lot of stuff that people don't understand, and they're being misled, and that's what gives us the used car salesman name. You know? Yeah, is, and that's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, so on this this note of where thing, you know, uh, down payment money, closing costs. One of the things that we see, and I'm sure that you see a lot of, is is you need documentation on where your funds are and where they're coming from, right? Yes, absolutely. That's another <laughs> big one that people often either don't know when they mess it up or they've been told numerous times and they still, you know, accidentally, you know, throw a wrench in there. What we're looking at guys is a 60 day period of statements from your checking savings, 401k, whatever it is, we need at least a 60 day statement and we are not scrutinizing where you spend your money. We don't care where you spend your money. We care where it's coming from. So every deposit into that bank statement, that's when we get a 60 day statement with a transaction history. We look at every deposit into that account in the last 60 days. Right. And if it's not from work, or it clearly says tax refund or you know, something like that. We have to we have to prove where that money came from and if it was cash or a personal check 
or you sold something on ebay and threw five hundred dollars cash in there that's not good you don't want a lot of that stuff because it's going to cause a lot of hoops not to say we can't get through some of them but we all get it on occasion where you know oh don't worry about it i've got that money in the mattress we get the mattress money yep. people and yep. it's like whoa time out you know yeah not gonna work i've heard everything mattress money my employer gave me extra money to help me money coming from the wrong places it has to come from work or you know a legit uh source yeah. and if it's not you can go to gift route but again it has to be through a direct family member and they have they can't give you cash they and have to explain that direct family member yes it has to be a direct family member mom dad brother sister aunt uncle a direct it can't you can't get into second cousins and stuff okay. like that um and what do they have to do to give you that if you, you know if they have mom to, and dad want to give uh, you know, first-time buyers, uh, you know, a, a gift money for their down payment. What's involved in that? As a lender, what we're going to ask for is we're going to ask mom and dad to give us a statement from their, let's say, checking account, because we have to prove that they had the money to give to you. So they can't go take ten grand and put it into their account and then turn around and give you give it to you because we do source the funds. We should we have to right. see so that for, they truly had it. So then they somebody, cut them a check. So for somebody that's got mattress money, what's their you know, how do they prove that they've got this money? How do they how do they go about getting that money two into, ways. into their One is seasoning it. <laughs> well, but, yeah. but if you're already there. If yeah, because this happens, it does. I mean this, a lot of people go through this. Um, they're seasoning. You put it in your bank and you wait sixty days and then you give us a sixty day statement. We don't see that we don't okay. see the deposit, so we don't care where it came from. So as long or, as it's in for sixty days. Here's another that I come across a lot is you know, they don't have sixty days to wait. They gotta start the process sooner than that. My next question is, do you have a direct family member that has that kind of money to give to you? Right. See where I'm going with it? You know, yep, and it, get them a gift letter and then reimburse You're saying, them but you're not saying. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping it over here. Yeah, make, well, it makes sense. Because um, there's always, there are a lot of guidelines. I mean, just the FHA book alone is thousands of pages. Right. And if we can find every a single one of them, oh, right? Oh, never. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying there are there are certain times where you can bend the rules and get around certain things if you're okay. creative without breaking any laws or going into any dark water. So right. And we, we of course we want to keep everything above board, oh, but we want to but we want to help people where we can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the the last big issue I think that we have is and we've been seeing it a lot lately. Chris and I have a, a podcast specifically just on kind of appraisals, what they are, what you know, what can happen. Um, but when we're seeing appraisals coming low. What's you know what's your your approach to this? There are three options, and on this one I tend to stay in my lane as a lender and mm-hmm. let the agents uh, do a lot of the legwork on a low appraisal. There's three options: either a buyer pays cash difference to make up for the reduction, right? You know, if they can, if they can, right, and if they have the cash and they're willing, or the seller again can drop their sales price to meet the appraised value, right? Third option: meet somewhere in the middle and right. negotiate. Um, is there anything that from a, a lending side that uh, you guys can do? Obviously, on a VA appraisal, you have a rebuttal period. Um, yeah, that's VA is a little bit different because they have it's called Tidewater, Tidewater. Yeah. or whatever name it. It's called Tidewater, and you have a specific amount of time. The, t- the clock. So once they yeah, announce 20, Tidewater, 48 hours, you have 48 then. hours yeah. to make your action. If you don't, you're stuck. Other deals. Uh, if it does come in low, the first, you know, agents always call me and it's my fault first. Of course. Always. Um, <laughs> You're a appraiser, right? Yeah. 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 You know, um, so every day. after I let them, you know, vent, I just tell them always, please send me the, look at the appraisal first. I hope that you've read it as the realtor. Um, you know, go through it. If you can find better comps and I, it, this could be a whole episode too about what is a better comp. Um, 
if you provide a better one, send it to me and we will rebut it. And it does go through levels. We don't just take these comps that you sent us and just slam them at the appraiser because then we could look like real, you know, incompetent people. So we have to take it and it goes through me. I look at it and I go, you know what? Man, these are these comps are, are, are good in my eyes. And then I go to my owner, the company, the owner of the mortgage company. And he's been doing this for, you know, 30, 40, longer than I even been alive. So, and he looks at it, he breaks it down and goes over every little bit. And usually it gets shot down there because usually the appraisers are using the best comps. Right? Usually doing a fairly good job every rarely they just miss a beautiful comp yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah, happens even but sometimes when you have a good comp to compare it to and your appraisal had crap comps there's still yeah there's still conditions within the appraisal right that if you don't meet them exactly to a t you guys are under so much scrutiny yeah. right there's yeah. not the a lot exception of would be do. the exception would be like for example i had one that um uh the they missed um they missed that it, it was it had water access Oh, so that's a, that that would be. And and so we had a you know we we could um, uh, that was uh, you did that one for me too. They missed they had water access. We it was a VA. We got a tide water and we were able to rebut that and bring yep. the value up. Yep. Um. So those are things that we you know we want to look at as well. But the uh, for more information on our appraisals, like I said, check out the other podcasts we've got on that. Uh. Again, like I said, if you are thinking about buying or selling, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. Even if you're a year out, even if you're six months out. Uh, give us a call. James's number is going to be right there yeah, on the podcast. available, guys. I tell everyone, nights, weekends, I'm a normal everyday guy like all the hardworking people out there. Shoot me a text at 6.30 at night when you're home and you have time to think about that big mortgage question or whatever. I don't mind. I take a half hour, get you, answer all your questions on the phone way ahead of time, and I'll give you the truth. That's another thing I'm big on is I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And I can attest this. I think James did a, a pre-approval like... Or no, I uh, yeah, I think it was a pre-approval at like 10:30 at night, like on a oh, Tuesday yeah. one time for me. So you know, give him a call or text anytime. Give Chris and I a call or text anytime. We're kind of the same way. We answer the phone at all hours of the day and night, uh, and we'd love to talk to you. And also, if you just have more questions about any of this, we'd love to talk to you. But thanks so much, James, for being with us. Thank you guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care.